Well, hi there and welcome. This is Take Two with Jerry and Debbie and you. It is your show and it has been for eight and a half years, actually more than eight and a half. We're going about three and a half months away from the ninth year, ninth anniversary of this program. Thanks to you, the Take Two family. Today, it is the first Friday of the month after a long February. Yeah, an extra day last month. So today, uh, the first of the month falls on a Friday that is so beautiful and, and I think providential. And that is when we dedicate the show to the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and your thoughts, feelings, emotions, devotion, love, appreciation, gratitude. I could go on and on. How do you feel about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? This is your time to call in. I am Jerry Usher. Debbie is traveling today to a a talk I think she's giving somewhere. So it is just you and me, and we're going to have a great conversation about the Holy Eucharist. Here's the number for you to start dialing 833-288-EWTN, 833-288-EWTN. 3986. Pretty much any angle you want to take on the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, 833-288-3986. As you probably know, if, if you haven't heard yet, for the last several months I have been a seminarian again. I'm in the Diocese of Orlando, Florida, and I am at the Basilica of St. Paul. And we have uh, a first Friday, I've been doing a pastoral year, and, and this fall, God, good Lord willing, I'll be probably in the seminary at Pope St. John the 23rd in the Boston area. I have a couple, two, three years of studies left to go before priesthood, good Lord willing. Uh, it's, a, it's a journey, it's a, it's, a fa- it's a trusting thing, so I appreciate your prayers. But I bring that up because among the many things I get to do here at the Basilica is serve masses and serve devotionals, and today... Uh, I just served benediction of the Blessed Sacrament, and as I like to say when I do, I still have the smell of incense on me, which is just glorious. And so uh, maybe you do something special on First Friday. If you do, call in, share whatever that is, 833-288-3986. Do you go to Mass more than just on weekends? Do you go to daily Mass? If so, why do you do that? I can probably guess, because you love the Lord, you love receiving the Eucharist, but love to have you take advantage of the opportunity to call in and tell the world about that. Tell us if you have, if you know a priest who says a beautiful, reverent, holy mass that really draws you in and, and, and deepens that bond between you and Jesus in the real presence. Call and share about that. How do you prepare for Holy Communion? What do, what do you like to do to give thanks after receiving communion? 833 288 3986. I need your help today. It's just you and me. I could talk the whole hour about the Eucharist and many other things related to that, but I want to hear what you have to say. And I do want to take this opportunity to give a huge shout out and a deep uh, sense of gratitude to Ace McKay, who's been the producer of this show for the last two years, exactly two years today. He came on board as our producer, and Ace has been also assigned to a Beacon of a Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers as the producer of that program. And among other things that Ace is doing, that's going to occupy a lot of his time. So we have a little handoff taking place. Charles Beery is going to become the producer of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, and he will do an outstanding job just like Ace has done. But I know Debbie would join me. Ace, I know you're listening because you're producing the show right now. Um, Debbie would join me in wanting to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for all you've done to help elevate the awareness of the show and really just make it uh, what it is for the Take-Two family. So thank you, Ace McKay. And I know you're not going anywhere, so we'll certainly be seeing, seeing you around. But uh, at Take-Two family, what about you? If you're a, what, are you an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion? 
Talk about why you do that, what drew you into that ministry, what it's like, what the uh, rewards are for your uh, participating in that. Um, I would certainly welcome any callers, if you are uh, either Catholic or non-Catholic or maybe even anti-Catholic, and you doubt the real presence, the Catholic Church's belief in that, or maybe you're just not sure, you question it, uh, we can talk about that, where we see that in Scripture, and of course it's rooted in not only the Bible, but the history and tradition of the Church. Um, Do you remember when you received the Eucharist for the very first time? It might have been as a, say, second grader, uh, uh, whatever age that was. I can't, don't even know what age. I think you're about seven years old, second graders. So maybe that's when you received your first Holy Communion. Or perhaps it was uh, you, you converted to the Catholic faith and went through our CIA and had that blessed Easter vigil experience of receiving the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist for the first time. Call and share you know, just help me. That might, that might help you in some ways. It might help you really uh, reignite the spark of love for the Eucharist that you've had in your heart. 833-288-3986. My favorite day of the year, and it always has been, even during the years when I was out of priestly formation, my favorite day of the year is coming up. Guess what it is? It's Holy Thursday. How about you? Do you have a special place in your heart for the Holy Thursday liturgy, that's when uh, we celebrate so many things. Of course, Jesus giving to the church, the priesthood, and the Holy Eucharist, his real presence as he presented that to his apostles at the very first Mass of the Passover, the Last Supper. So if you have a fondness for a Holy Thursday, love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on that. And I know there are people sometimes who maybe you've left the Catholic Church and you didn't understand or, or quite really appreciate what the real presence in Je- of Jesus in the Eucharist was. And perhaps you have found your way back because you missed the Eucharist. You were longing for that. Tell us, uh, tell us your story about that. Or maybe you've left the church not thinking that it is you know, really validly the body and blood of Christ. Maybe you're going to uh, another Christian tradition right now and uh, you, know, you just want to talk about it. 833-288-3986. We'd love to hear from you about what you're doing to celebrate the Eucharistic revival in the church, the uh, Great Eucharistic Congress coming up in Indianapolis in July. Are you going? A group from my uh, parish here, the Basilica of St. Paul in Daytona Beach, are going, along with our parochial vicar, Father Edgar Serrano, beautiful, wonderful priest, along with our pastor, Father Ken Gill. So, ah, there you go. I don't know what more I can do to set the table for you. It's right there for you to take and run with, Take Two Family. Uh, Real Presence, first Friday program here. Debbie is away. I am Jerry Usher, and we need your participation. One phone line is still open if you would like to grab that and share, uh, basically, like I said, any particular angle or aspect of the Real Presence you would like to comment on or ask a question about. The number is 833-288. 3986. You can email take two at EWTN.com. Might be a little tricky getting to emails today just because when Debbie's here, the two of us, one of us will be previewing emails while the other one is, uh, is interacting with a caller. But you're always welcome to email. If you're watching the video stream on Facebook or YouTube, hello to you there. You can always get your chats going there or you can call into the program and you can post on the show website, take two show.com. Real presence is our topic today, 833 288 3986. Well, today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, uh, we are talking about um, what isn't even arguably, it is, it is obviously the most sublime topic 
on the face of the earth that will ever be discussed in this lifetime, and that is the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Uh, you know, try, uh, try thinking of something that is more sublime, more beautiful, more majestic, more glorious. Uh, it really isn't. It can't be, I think, objectively, because it is our Lord himself. It is the creator of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I absolutely love the Eucharist, the real presence. And I invite you to join in on the conversation if you do as well. 833-288-3986. Michael, hang on. We're going to go to you right after I tell you about Guideposts for the Journey Home. It's by Marcus Grodi. For over 25 years, the Journey Home program on EWTN has enjoyed immense success. Marcus Grodi shares personal stories of conversion, hope, and renewal to help readers stay close to Christ and his church amid life storms with some of the show's finest interviews, including answers to real-life questions posed by viewers. It's a treasure trove in which you'll find fascinating stories about miracles, healings, and vocational journeys. It's called Guideposts for the Journey Home by Marcus Grodi. Available now by Catholic. Shop EWTNRC.com. Okay, to your phone calls. Michael, as I promised first, in Saratoga Springs, New York, watching the video stream on YouTube. Hi, Michael. Thanks for being up first today. Hello there, Mr. Jerry. How have we been there today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, and just hearing that you might be going back to the seminary up in New England, I guess is what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I am a seminarian, officially in the Diocese of Orlando, and for me to get to know them and them to get to know me, they put me in a a parish, a wonderful parish assignment this year, and that is about two-thirds of the way through that, so if I get a green light to proceed, yeah, I'll be in, I'll be in, most likely in Boston. I'm actually going up there. Yeah, because... And because we had a priest who was a permanent deacon and a seminarian who's a deacon now who will be ordained to the priesthood next May also go through that same seminary, too, oh, great. for the Albany Diocese. Oh, and that fantastic. actually brings me to what I wanted to talk about. Sure. And that was a couple weekends ago. I actually had a chance to go to the um, Eucharistic exhibit that was started by Blessed Color Acutis. Mm-hmm down in Glenville. And that was a bit of an, and that was an informational, a bit of a, and I, and, and I, what I was thinking though was, was and what my expectations was going there was I was going to be in there for probably look at the exhibit for half hour and then the rest of it was going to be like adoration time. It took me two hours to get through that hole. Mm-hmm. And I usually like to watch through it. Not this one. <laughs> there was <laughs> yeah. so much. Wow. Information. It took about two hours. And there were a couple of interest, and I want to talk more specifically about two of the exhibits that kind of jumped out at me. Okay. The first one, I think, was the description of how that Jesus had with St. Faustina. And I think I kind of, that kind of got my attention. But the other one, and and it is, a, and and I, and I can understand why Debbie is not around today because I because it would be interesting to hear see what her reaction was. But right. um, they were talking about the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and there was a reference to the legend of Parsifal, which, as most people would know, is probably better known through the 1882 opera written by the German composer Richard Wagner. And as I said, I'm not too familiar with that story, so if anybody has any information on that, please 
let us know. But that was but that was the other big one. And then I guess the gist of the thing is don't mess with the Eucharist. That was my take on the whole thing altogether. Absolutely. Well, Michael, you are doing a great job of feeding your soul and feeding your intellect as well. You know, we are we are um, we are composite beings, you know, intellect and will. And, uh, you know, going to these uh, wonderful things like the Eucharistic Miracles exhibit is a great way to really just feed that in our soul. And uh, I just want to mention the, the website, carloacutis.com, and you can see information about the Eucharistic Miracles exhibition. Carlo is, of course, C-A-R-L-O, Acutis, A-C-U-T-I-S, carloacutis.com. And it says on the uh, website there, Michael, that the uh, display is currently showing in all five continents in the U.S., it's been received in thousands of parishes, hundreds of university campuses. So you were uh, you did a good thing, Michael, by going to see that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for jump jumpstarting our calls here on the program today on this Friday, first Friday of the month, talking about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. That line Michael was on is open. It is available. It is yours if you call right now, 833 833- 288-3986. Lisa is a first-time caller listening on iHeartRadio in Texas. Hello, Lisa. Welcome. Hi, Jerry. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you for having me. I, oh. I was just wanting to call and um, talk about uh, a time in my life where I had kind of just fell away from the church um, and, you know, just the presence of uh, family members, just never pushing me to come back to the church, but just showing me the importance of it and doing the rosaries when we were together in the car rides or, you know, never pushing, but always showing an example. Um, so I had finally come back to the church and now in my adulthood, um, you know, finding out how lucky I am and how much I miss it and how much I need the presence of Jesus and the Um and I've been receiving that, and I have actually got to experience the blood of Jesus again, and that's just no other feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you sound like you're kind of like me, Lisa. I have a real um, affinity for the precious blood. And, of course, we know as Catholic Christians that under either species, the, the, the host or the uh, blood, uh, the full Jesus is there, body and blood, soul and divinity. But the, I think the Church says the fullest expression of receiving Holy Communion is receiving them under the, 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 you know, the species of the consecrated host and the precious blood. And I, I just want to say, you know, God bless you. You know, you fell away, like you said, and you came back. And I think, you know, we are so very, very blessed. Um, the thing is, you know, God, God God, expects us to use, I was talking with Michael a minute ago about feeding our minds, our intellects. Lisa, I'd love your thoughts on this. God expects us, you know, to use our heads, our noggins, you know, as well as our hearts. And so that means, you know, not only, you know, with emotional love for the Eucharist, but also understanding what it is. How's your, you know, your, your head knowledge, understanding of the Eucharist evolved, especially since you've come back to the faith, back to the church? I think just knowing that it's actually Christ's body, um, you know, just knowing that now, knowing that when you go to church and the minute that, you know, the priest starts consecrating the host, that it is Jesus. And, you know, how could you not want to receive that and, and yearn for that and, you know, want that every day? Absolutely. Every day. And it's available every day. 
uh, with the exception of Good Friday, of course. We have a communion service, and we still receive the body and blood of the Lord. But Lisa, thank you so much for being a first-time caller today on the program. Please feel free to call us back anytime, okay? Thank you so much, Gary. God bless you. God bless. Got a phone line open there, 833-288-3986. Tell you what, if you, uh, if you love Jesus in the real presence in the Eucharist and you don't have something you'd love to shout from the rooftops here today on the program, well, I don't know what else to try and <laughs> do to encourage you to call in because this is just a, really, it's a wonderful opportunity, we think, that we give you the Take-Two family once a month on the first Friday at 833 833- Two eight eight three nine eight six. If time permits here during the program, we got a lot of calls, but I, I want to get into it. I've been watching some of the formed videos put out by the Augustine Institute, and they draw a parallel between uh, the Mass and the, the Road to Emmaus experience, where Jesus encounters the two uh, individuals on the Road to Emmaus. So I hope to be able to maybe uh, comment on that a little bit if time permits. But we do have calls, so we'll give priority to that. Uh, Ron, hang on. You're going to be right after Bill, who called in from Long Island, New York, listening on Sirius XM 130. Hello, Bill. Hi, how are you, Jerry? Great, how are um, you? Very well, blessed and highly favored. Good um, deal. I remember reading Adrian von Speyer's book, The Passion Within, years ago. And uh, there was a quote in there that she said that our Lord remains a prisoner of love in the Eucharist until a believer comes and liberates him. Mm. And that really jumped off the page at me. And I knew that every time that I receive our Lord at Mass, that I'm liberating him. Uh, from being imprisoned in the Eucharist. But I also had the desire for years now, when I stop into a church, I'll, I'll check the tabernacle table or the altar table, and I cannot tell you how many times I would find fragments of the host there. Mm. And um, I would say, oh, Lord, you waited for me to come and liberate you. So um, that's a great joy for me. But the one I really called you about was my wife. She passed away in 2011, and she had uh, cancer. And uh, I couldn't leave her. I had to care for her 24-7 the last six or seven months. So my friend uh, Ray brought Holy Eucharist to me every day and my wife because it was a daily communicant, and now I, that all stopped. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Judy was the name of my wife. She... Uh, wound up uh, having breast cancer that went into her bone, and she had extreme pain in her legs. Two nights in a row, she couldn't sleep, and um, no matter how much meds I gave her and stuff. So when uh, my friend Ray brought Jesus with me to to us, um, I had received, and then I I thought, you know, Lord, you, you healed the man with the withered hand, you touched the leper, and you healed him, you healed the woman that touched your garment. And you raised the man up that was a cripple. So I took the host and I said, now, Lord, you're touching my wife's legs. And um, and then I gave her Holy Communion. Um, That night she slept 12 hours and the next night 12 hours and the pain never returned. And I woke up in the morning and I I just, the first thought that came to me, I said, did we just experience a Eucharistic miracle here? Yeah. Um, and I would think yes. 
Yeah, I, I can't argue with that, Bill. It's, it seems remarkable uh, that the uh, the pain went away and your wife was able to sleep, uh, like you said, 12 hours in a couple, of, a couple of different nights. But yeah, I mean, every what we have to realize, and you know this, Bill, I'm sure, every Mass, every reception of the Eucharist is, in a sense, a, a miracle or a, or a healing. It's a healing moment, a healing opportunity. Here where I am at the, Par- at the Basilica of St. Paul, I mentioned the first, the second Tuesday of every month, we have Mass with healing prayer. We have Mass followed by anointing of the sick by the two priests who are here, and I get to pray with people in the Padre Pio uh, chapel. And it's, it's, it's just a chance, really, to let the Lord out and do what He does best. You mentioned the uh, Adrian von Speyer book, you know, uh, saying that our Lord remains a prisoner of love in the Eucharist until we let Him out. Well, He was literally imprisoned, as we know, on Holy Thursday night. But um, you, uh, you have really shared, Bill, I think, a very inspirational story about Judy, your wife. And we're, we're sorry about the loss. Obviously, I'm sure we've got her in the prayer book. But um, I, I presume you've been back to going to daily Mass probably since then, I would guess. Oh, yeah, I'm a part-time sacristan and also an a, a acolyte and a Eucharistic minister since 1978. Wow. God bless you. Well, you know, I want to thank you for all of those things, Bill, because um, I've always had an appreciation, especially for, you know, sacristans have a tough job because different priests like things done a little bit differently, as I, as I know you're aware and I just want to thank you for that, especially as someone who, God willing, um, is, is, is back on a trajectory toward the priesthood and myself. Um, you know, the appreciation we have to have for sacristans and extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion and lectors and everybody else who participates to make the Mass what it is. So, Bill, on behalf of all the priests in the world, thank you and thank all of the other people who help out like that. Thank you. Thank you for being there on the air, too. I appreciate that. And thank you for saying yes to Our Lady about going forward and becoming a priest. Praise God. And please pray for me if you would, Bill. We'll do that. Thank you. God bless. Um, Bill's line is open right now. He just hung up. 833-288-3986, talking about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Again, pretty much any angle you want to take on this, um, receiving the Eucharist, adoring the Eucharist. Do you have a time slot, maybe, uh, if your parish offers uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? Um, I watched a, a wonderful video last night. It was with um, Cy Kellett of Catholic. It was Catholic Answers Focus. It's their podcast, video podcast. And the, um, the guest that Cy had on was uh, Father James Boric. And at the time, I presume he's still there, he was uh, rector of the Basilica of the Assumption. And I don't, don't remember the exact full title of it, but it's, it's a Basilica in Baltimore. And he talked about how at the time they were erecting a Eucharistic, full, you know, a 24-7 uh, chapel for Eucharistic adoration in his parish. And he had mentioned some amazing things that had happened, like uh, in in his in, in the Baltimore area, he pointed out, you know, Baltimore, he says, doesn't often get uh, mentioned in the news for good things. It's usually, you know, crime and murder and things like that. And he said every year they have a, a rosary congress and, and perpetual adoration with rosary every hour and masses. And he said during the week or so that they did that, um, you know, crimes, murders went down like 60%. There was one day there were no murders at all. And there are other factors, as he pointed out, that go into that. But I think the reality of it is, 
Jesus Christ, his real presence in the Eucharist is powerful. It is absolutely powerful. And we just need to simply get him out of the tabernacle, any chance we get for for adoration. And we need to go and we need to spend that time with him and just tell him how much we love him. Tell him how much we are in pain if we are. Tell him how much we're searching if we're looking for something in life. Um, asking him what he wants us to do with our lives, what is his will, all of these things. So if you have a chance to get to any uh, adoration, whether it's just, uh, you know, if your parish has it for a few hours once a week or whether it's 24-7 around the clock all week, get there in front of Jesus and it will change your life. Uh, Ron, our good friend in L.A., I wanted to just wait a moment to get to you on the other side of the break, so stick with us. And Bill and Kim as well, we're coming right back. Great to have you along on this Friday. Hope you have a blessed weekend planned. Maybe you work on weekends and your weekend is during the week, but many of us have, you know, the weekend. Actually, you know, where I am, weekends are (laughs) probably the busiest time of the week with with masses and everything. Six weekend masses and confessions. I don't hear confessions yet, but our priests do for for many, many hours a week. And so weekends, uh, you know, in in a parish environment is, is very, very busy. But Hope you do have uh, some kind of a beautiful weekend planned, including receiving the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, which is what we're talking about today. If you'd like to weigh in on this, 833-288-3986. Jennifer watching on YouTube says, I can't remember my first Holy Communion, but I definitely recall the first time I was able to receive communion after the COVID lockdowns were finally lifted. I cried being able to receive him again. Jennifer, I think a lot of us did as well. I know I shed some tears over that as well. So thanks for sharing that on YouTube. You can post your comments there at uh, at YouTube or Facebook here, and we will get those over to Michael McCall. We'll uh, feed those over to us. Of course, Ace McKay is our producer, last day producing our show before Charles Beery takes over, and it's Matt Gabinski on the phones. And without further ado, Ron in Los Angeles, listening to uh, today on Sirius XM 130. Ron, how you doing? Cock-a-doodle-doo. Yeah, you can't um, say you too, though. I'm, I'm glad I'm able to have a functional brain today. So yeah, thanks yeah. for taking me on. Sure. The quick background or the quick lead-in, I would say, is I could not exist without the full Eucharist in my life. But uh, that being said, um, I, you know, I'm a born and, born and bred um, Catholic uh, I was born and baptized in the parish of St. Teresa of Avila, so she's been under my tutelage, which makes a lot of sense as a patron saint of all the headaches I've been dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, in my life, I went through, as the teenage years, I grew up next to the church. Uh, a few years later, uh, became an altar server and uh, stayed with that through to my uh, high school years. After high school, I ventured out and um, started doing a little wandering and it took me about 15 years to wander back to the Catholic Church after popping in and out of these um, uh, Protestant uh, adaptations, if you will, until I finally had that hunger in my heart that I, I was missing something, and that something was Christ. So when I went back to my parish back in about the mid-90s um, and finally received uh, confession and communion, um, I was just overwhelmed with the welcome home sensation and um, shortly thereafter, I began to re- revive my, my Catholic faith, um, receiving communion after confession on a fairly regular basis. And by the year 2000, you and I met over the airwaves, 
um, from that, I started getting into my artistry and started drawing up um, uh, Catholic-related symbols, crucifixes, chalices, and things like that. By 2005, I was now interactive with the parish and began serving as a sacristan server, and with my age at that time, I called myself one of the geriatric servers. (laughs) I was one of three that were in the uh, age group of about 43 and above. And I lasted there for a number of years and also became a, uh, an extraordinary minister during uh, the time of communion of both Precious Blood and the, the, the host itself, which was uh, quite a, uh, quite a um, thought in my mind to have that privilege to be able to do that. Um, it was just, it got started from the priest that I would serve at, and when we were shortchanged of people to do so, I, I was chosen to go ahead and jump in, so I was there alongside the priest, especially during the Holy Eucharist uh, um, time. Um, But as time went on, I got involved with Catholic um, conferences for a five-year period from 2005 to 10, and then things started dwindling down. I started um, not being able to go too far. My body was starting to give me some grief. My heart started giving me some stuff. 2011, I was given diagnosis of heart issues, and by 2014, I was taken off the road. And so for 10 years now, I've been homebound with a lot of issues uh, going on, and I've had some real big challenges. I've had priests who've been able to pay me sacramental visits for the um, confession anointing and the communion reception. Um, Just had a um, reception this week in itself although I fell back uh, away from the graces for the moment. But um, if that weren't, if that wasn't possible, if the Catholic Church did not exist and the priests weren't there, I don't know how I would still be here. And mm-hmm. for that, I'm so grateful for that, mm-hmm. grateful for the friendships and for the, the knowing, the relationship with Christ and, and God as a whole that I've had in comparison to where I had been when I was wandering for about 15-odd years. And so... I now have a slightly different perspective on how my life is going to be looking like. I'm still in a position where financially things are a little awkward, so I'm trusting God to keep me you know, in play. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at a serious move, possibly before the year is up. And so it's, it's a tough place to be, having a broken body. And right now I just don't have a vision of where to go. Yeah. But without Christ, I would, I would be in a panic. And it's just fortunately for me that I do have that availability and grateful, and not always the grateful heart, but I'm very grateful for for God has been looking out for me and the protections of the guardian angels for a variety of circumstances over the decades. Yeah. Well, you're saying that you couldn't survive without the Eucharist. Um, I know I, that, yeah, that I, I share that sentiment with you as so many who are listening do, Ron. I just reminded, as you said that, of Padre Pio's great comment, it would be easier for the earth to continue without the sun, S-U-N, uh, than without the Holy Mass. And so that's how important the Holy Mass is. And um, I, I think I can, I, can, I can answer this question for you, Ron, but if you had the opportunity, if you, were, if you were still driving and could get to church whenever you wanted, how often would you receive the Eucharist, do you think? It would probably be back to daily, um, daily Mass times that I right. got to at some point. 
That's um, that's well. That's what I expected you would say, and because I know your heart, and I just I brought it up just because you know your call and sharing that, you know how you how much you long for those Eucharistic sacramental visits, as you called them, from a priest or somebody else with the Holy Eucharist. It's just it's just an important and I think great lesson for those of us who can receive any time that we want, especially on weekends, but also daily. And I want to encourage, Ron, everybody else who's listening right now to, you know, to hear your words, to take them to heart and never, ever, ever take for granted the great gift that we have of receiving Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Because there are people like you, Ron, so many of them who aren't able to get to, you know, don't have access, you know, or can't get, get to the Eucharist to, you know, when you would like to, as often as you would like to. So I, I, that's the reason I asked you that question. And I just really want all of our listeners to take away a little bit of a lesson from what you shared. Well, I'm I'm grateful for that, and uh, also a little side thought. I wanted to wish Debbie, you know, happy journey for her uh, weekend time. Mm-hmm. I know she said she was listening, and I'm pretty sure of that. But um, yeah, just um, I I try to stay in in a, in a in a good good spot in my head. There are days when I have some issues, in, you know, the last three months, given some brain stuff going on with me, it's, it's becoming a bit of a challenge. So. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that Christ still, God still looks out for me, whether I think he is or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so well, for we, those we, we, who we know don't know what they're missing. Yeah, we, we, we know that we're mutually in each other's prayers. Debbie knows that, and the whole Take-Two family keeps you lifted up, Ron, and we know that you are offering every bit of what you go through for a lot of intentions, I know, including the show and the Take-Two family. So thanks a lot, brother, for your call. We'll, we'll talk again soon on the air, hopefully God willing. Thank you, and uh, God bless you all. Yeah, thank you, Ron. Um, A line is open talking about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. If you have something to say, we have the time to get you on the program at 833-288-3986. Kathy, hold on. In Burlington, Massachusetts, you are going to be next right after Bill in Louisville, Colorado, listening on Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Bill. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, a couple of Eucharistic experiences um, years ago that I felt that I should share. I'll share the first one. If there's time, I'll share the, the second one. Okay. But the, the first one is one that just can't be construed as coincidence, so I thought it would be a good thing for me to not keep it to myself. Sure. So we got to tell these stories. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, this is... Uh, Several years ago, I can't remember how long, five to ten years ago, after Mass, um, I stayed several minutes after Mass, and for some reason, this isn't something I was accustomed to, I started to straighten up just a couple of the books in the pews. And for some reason, I had never done this before, I opened one of the missiles or missalettes, and there was the Holy Eucharist was in the second the pages. Oh my goodness. And, you know, my first thought, well, I'm going to take this straight to Father because he was still greeting people. Um, and, yeah, the, the more I think about that, it's, it's a pretty profound experience. And I'm just uh, extremely grateful that Christ led me to himself to mm-hmm. Relieve him of being imprisoned in this uh, missalette. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
I don't know if you've got other details on that, but I just, as you were talking, as Debbie always says, sometimes, you know, she gets, you know, chills or something. I just, the, the way the Holy Spirit led you to that, Bill, that is absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, who knows how long it, it had been there. I, I don't know if it was, I, was it still um, like it hadn't decomposed or anything? Did it, look, it probably had been put in there fairly recently to when you found it, I would guess. No, no decomposition. Mm-hmm. I gave it to Father. And his comment was, oh, it tastes funny. Hmm. Okay. So I would, you know, maybe it, you know, tasted like the pages of the book, or maybe right. it had been in there quite a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would almost say I was like a robot being <laughs> led hmm. to that because it was something that I just <laughs> didn't do. Yeah. Yeah, it was so providential at the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um well, yeah. Go ahead, it, it, real quickly. If you, had, you said you had something else, and, and we'll just we'll just give Kathy our virtual patience award in Massachusetts when we get to her next. But <laughs> okay. go ahead, Bill. What else did you have? The, the other experience? Okay. Yeah. No, this is a quick one. I was a seminarian in the the nineties. Um, I went through the novitiate and didn't continue after that. But anyway, I got very sick, um, and I had a fever of a hundred and four and a half, and you know, it was all I could do to walked to the bathroom when I had to go. I had a horrible headache and a horrible lower backache. And, of course, we went to daily mass, and I wasn't able to go. I was much too sick for that. And Father brought me uh, Holy Communion after mass. And as soon as I got out of bed and knelt down, I just, whatever I was feeling, the, the fever, the pain, the sickness just completely disappeared for the, and I was symptom free for a short period of time, like, you know, maybe 10 or 20 minutes and, you know, went back to feeling very sick and mm-hmm. the, it repeated itself the, the next morning. Um, same thing. I was still very, very sick and got out of bed and yeah, for a short period of time, my symptoms were relieved. Okay. But I thought that would be a, I should yeah. share that too, because, yeah. you know, these aren't for um, us to puff ourselves up. It's, you know, right. to tell other people to help them believe. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. You know, we you, you if you're a regular listener to the show, you know one of the things we always tell you and the T- Take-Two family, you know, tell your story. You know, when God does things like this in your lives, um, not just on this radio program, but tell your friends. We we encourage people to write their stories in books and, you know, put them on, you know, videos and stuff. Because, you know, when you, you're sharing these things, Bill, you know, you're really, I think, you know, bolstering a lot of people's faith and trust and confidence in God and in his goodness and, uh, you know, just his action in our lives. So appreciate, Bill, very much you sharing these on the show today. Well, yeah, you can, I can feel, you know, somewhat of an avoidance to share because I don't want to feel puffed up. Sure, but, sure. But it's, uh, so that's just, uh, I don't know, uh, a head game, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's something that definitely needs to be shared because if God's giving us a special grace, it's not for us to feel good about ourselves. Right. No, it's, it's, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you
you know, what's what's the story? Is, is it Lazarus or one of the other raisings of the dead? My head is, it's Friday. My brain isn't working all that well. But when Jesus says, you know, it was for, for God's glory that this has happened. I think it was the, the raising of Lazarus when he wasn't there when he died. And they said, you should have been here. And Anyway, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that because it could very well be... Um, you know, I could be mixing up my Bible stories. But anyway, um, Kathy in Burlington, Massachusetts, um, the Patience Award is virtual, so you can put a virtual <laughs> trophy on your mantle if you'd like. But thanks for waiting today. Uh, Jerry, I just want you to know I have a low battery, so if I disappear, oh. it, it's not being rude. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. Luck. Okay. Uh, you had asked people to talk if they remember about receiving communion, and I remember when I was seven receiving communion. We had a new church in a town called Wellesley, Massachusetts. It was called St. James the Great, and we were one of the first communion classes to receive. I did not go to Catholic school, but we had Sunday school with the Sisters of St. Joseph, and I still say one of the prayers they taught us at seven, come to me, sweet Jesus, come to me and stay, for I want you, sweet Jesus, more than I can say. And they must have done a good job. I'm sure there's a lot of us that remember that prayer. I am a cradle Catholic, and I had wonderful parents. Uh, There were five of us children, and um, I loved receiving communion. I remember it. I remember um, being so excited. And I was telling your um, the young man that uh, spoke with me first that even when I receive communion now, um, I have to. I always walk back with this smile on my face because I am so thrilled that to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus that I have to smile. So I'm, I'm sure some people think they don't know what's wrong with me, but um, that's how I feel. I love receiving Him. I have lived my life and problems just like everyone else, but. Um, the the Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always helped me through it, and uh, I just love going to Mass and receiving Him. He he means everything to me. Wow, absolutely. We can hear your emotion in your voice, Kathy. Um, I hope you have enough phone battery. Could you say that, tell us that prayer again. That was absolutely beautiful, the prayer you learned from the sisters for your First Holy Communion. It's, Come to me, sweet Jesus. Come to me and stay. For I want you, sweet Jesus, more than I can say. And you still pray that? I still say that. Yes, wow. I do. Not along only... with the other <laughs> other prayers. Well, and how many and, how many uh, of us, Kathy, have these great memories of you know being formed and trained in the faith and prepared for sacraments, you know, by our religious and by our priests? And these are just right. great, great memories that you still have. You know, um, Jerry, too, and I thank you and and Debbie for such wonderful show. Um, I I am a little sad because that church, St. James the Great, which was in Wellesley, I received my uh, communion, my confirmation. I was married there, and it is no longer there. Uh, It was demolished several years ago, and it is now an ice skating rink. Huh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um... Yeah, that's happened to a lot of churches around the country, really around the world, not just in this country. Sorry to hear that, Kathy. That I know that's held a special place in your heart. So we will uh, we will let you go on that. Go charge up your cell phone and uh, thank. Have a blessed weekend, Kathy. Thanks for sharing that beautiful uh, accounting, uh, re, re, you know, recounting your beautiful first communion. We appreciate that. 
Um, we're going to get to uh, Lori, and then I think we'll have time for Erica as well. But I want to mention first that Catholic Answers Live is Monday through Friday night, 6 Eastern time, right here on most of these same EWTN radio stations. The host is a good friend, Cy Kellett. He takes your calls and talks with Trent Horn and Monsignor Eugene Morris today. That's EWTN, Catholic Answers Live. This is the exclusive home of Catholic Answers Live, by the way. 6 o'clock Eastern time for two hours on many of these same EWTN stations. All right, Lori in Las Cruces, New Mexico, listening today on Alexa. Hi, Lori. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Hello. Hello. It's nice to talk to you again. Likewise. And, yeah, so I, I live down here in way in southern New Mexico um, in the land of enchantment, uh, Las Cruces area, mm-hmm. actually Old Messia, and that's where we have the we only have two basilicas in New Mexico, and one of them happens to be my church. Oh, wow. And today, yeah, and it's called San Albino. Um, in French, it's San St. Alban, and in Latin, it's St. Albinus. So anyway, he was the Bishop of Angiers in France in the 6th century. And at one time, there were over 100 churches in France named after him. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was amazing. Um, he was a patron saint of protection from pirate attack. Mm, wow. And so it was, it was pretty interesting. But um, anyway, uh, like I said, we have um, the one of two basilicas. Today happens to be his feast day, which is, uh, of course, you know, March 1st. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we had a celebration. We're having a celebration this evening. And... Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But we had adoration this morning before mass, and um, then we had um, anointing of the sick, and then we had um, adoration after mass. And tonight we're gonna to have a big celebration in the hall. So anyway, we're just so blessed to have such a great saint um, in our in our corner. And uh, so I just wanted to let you know about that. But it's just such a beautiful church. Um, if you get a chance, please come and visit us. Um, also, our priest is very, very humble. His name is Father Christopher, and he's just—he is so wonderful. He took a six-month sabbatical to go and learn about uh, Saint Al- San Albino, wow. and so it was—it was a beautiful thing. And uh, so today was just the perfect day to call you and touch base and tell you about it. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, um, Lori, I don't have to, uh, I mean, I, I would love to go there, but I don't have to be there physically because I'm actually there on their web, on your web, the website right now on the parishes, the Basilica's website. That is an absolutely gorgeous church. And I noticed uh, right along the left-hand side, right below Mass schedule, is Adoration uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mon- oh, not every day except Wednesday, it looks like. So what, what a great gift that is to your parish to have uh, at Eucharistic Adoration almost every day. Yes, absolutely. And I'm a daily Mass person. I, I love going to Mass, and uh, I love our priests, and all of our parishioners were very close-knit group and uh just very very loving and you know there's a lot of visitors that come from all over the world to old messia it's a beautiful old little community that has a real true southern new mexico flair uh with a with a great mexican influence and uh so we just love it here and uh it's a beautiful beautiful place to be the weather is amazing it's already 72 degrees today so it's going to be nice and toasty this summer (laughs) 
Good for you. Good for you. Well, Lori, thank you so much. Um, I, I can just hear your gratitude, the gratitude in your voice, and you're, you're talking with a smile on your face, so that's a beautiful thing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to wish you all the best with, um, with your priestly journey. Well, thank um, you. I've, we've been praying for you. Um, I tuck you into my rosary, and I just want you to know that, uh, that you're a special man, that you're going to be a wonderful, wonderful priest. Oh, well, you're very kind, Lori, and I hope and pray that I will just be a holy priest if I persevere by God's grace. You know, the, I like to say the wolf is always at the door, you know, but uh, if I make sure that I get my prayer time in every day and get the sacraments and stay close to God, um, I think I'm on the right path. I didn't see it coming a year and a half ago. I honestly did not. Uh, 28 years out of seminary formation, and I figured I would do a take two with Jerry and Debbie for a few more years and then just gallop off into the sunset, maybe to New Mexico, who knows, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, so God, God is, yeah, what do they say, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, so I did, and he says, well, here, here how about my plans, <laughs> and so, yeah, thank you so much for the prayers, and, you know, we, we pray for you, Lori, and the take two family each and every day. And, uh, you know, she mentioned that uh, beautiful, gorgeous uh, Basilica of San Albino in uh, New Mexico there where she is. And um, I, 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 as you know, I'm, I'm at a Basilica as well. It became a Basilica in 2006, Basilica of St. Paul in Daytona Beach, Florida. And a lot of people come here, too. It's, it's a destination church. Um, if you wanted to check that out, actually, um, the uh, Basilica of San Albino is San A S A N. A-L-B-I-N-O, sanalbino.org, and our website is stpauldaytona.org, and saint is S-T, so it's stpauldaytona.org, but one of the beautiful things that our pastor has implemented here, it might have been in place when he came, I'm not sure he's been here a year and year and a half, but both both of our priests before Masses, they make the, we make the bulletin announcements before Mass starts, and then they will go down the center aisle of the church asking if we have any visitors and every, I, I serve at the 11 a.m. Mass, we call it the Pastor's Mass here. It's every Sunday the pastor has that Mass. And, uh, and every, every, every time we have visitors from all over the United States, all around the world, it is just absolutely amazing. There's just a hunger for, 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 for what is beautiful and what is good and what is true. And we find that in our Catholic faith and, of course, most especially in the Blessed Sacrament. This has been an amazing conversation about the Real Presence Thank you, Take-Two family, for helping me out today with Debbie on the road. She will be back on Monday, and that is our prayer show. Whom or what are you praying for? Today is also the Feast of St. David of Wales, so we ask San Albino and St. David of Wales to pray for us. Thanks to Ace McKay, our great producer, moving on to Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold. Matt Kubensky on the phones, Michael McCall on social. We're going to have uh, Charles Beery, regular part of the show, producing it starting on Monday. So... Keep me in your prayers, if you would, and Debbie as she travels and all of the show team. And please know that you I specially offered all of you the Take-Two family in my mass intention this morning. So you're always in our prayers. Until Monday, have a beautiful and blessed weekend. God bless.